if they digitized all of Pauline Kael's reviews, imagine how many movies would the Rotten Tomato scores would drop. Oh, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Hi and welcome to episode of Cine Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And I'm Thomas Horton. And here on Cine Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories within them. This week, we are continuing our month of journalism movies by looking at a specific form of journalism, and that is television news. Um, but first, Thomas, can you give us a little bit of a recap on what we talked about last week regarding journalism movies? Yeah, last week specifically, we covered Sweet Smell of Success, but we talked about where it falls in with a lot of the kind of subgenres within the journalism movie. Um, specifically, we kind of peg that one as like a, it's one talking about uh, kind of gossip journalism, but also a lot about uh, ethics and journalism. And we talked about how a lot of these movies across the different mediums that it's representing are about how to be a journalist and still maintain your ethics, or in the case of Sweet Smell of Success, how to be a journalist and still maintain your soul really yeah. uh and and so you know it talked a lot about kind of double crossing and your sources and mm-hmm. we got into blackmail with sweet smell of success which is yeah. not something we're going to necessarily see a lot but mm-hmm. we also talked about how some of the other uh subgenres that don't involve ethics and sometimes they can but you know you'll have yeah. like investigative ones that are more similar almost to like a detective film yeah You've got other ones that are just kind of about the day-to-day life and that all of those are kind of wrapped up in, in the movie that we'll be talking about today. Yeah. What's interesting about this movie, we're talking today about broadcast news uh, released in 1987. And and it's one where like, you, it's not like the ethics issue isn't about the like, should I reveal sources or like, do I know something that I can't say? It, it feels like the ethics discussion in this movie is done on a very what feels like a very small level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess in particular, comparing it to modern day news, it yeah. feels very small of an issue. Um, and like last week with Sweet Smell of Success, we talked about how tab- about tabloid journalism, about the, the blind items and the hot gossip is what kind of led people to read the news of J.J. Hunsecker. And then with this movie today, we're going to be kind of discussing the the conflict that is arising in the 80s of of pure journalism versus the entertainment type of yeah. journalism um that i think has become the modern day uh yeah. television news yeah i mean specifically this film it while it's not set at like a 24-hour news station it, it does the movie itself does address the rise of of yeah. 24-hour news and the debate that comes then as to if you are programming 24 hours of news is everything you are covering yeah actually going to be news yeah exactly and and, and it's and it's there it kind of disappears in the middle part because it's gonna be it's gonna be uh uh this movie's gonna be kind of the focus is gonna be the love story but the early parts it really is playing the seeds of all those issues that are happening in the news world mm-hmm. um but before we dive into uh uh broadcast news i got i got a little note thomas what's that I got a little note. Uh, my mother called me mm-hmm. and uh, she listened to the last episode. And her first thing was, why don't you guys mention Never Been Kissed? Oh, yeah. You know, I thought I thought about that. It is we, a journalism we were discussing movie. journalism movies. Yeah. That's so a, I was going to ask undercover uh, journalist. Yeah. Film. I was going to I was going to ask a few things. It was. So would you count that as a journalism movie? Yeah, I think so. OK, 
I got a few movies that popped up in the past There's week. Definitely some people, weird though. ethics wrapped up in that. Movie there is some weird sure. ethics. There is some weird ethics in, in Never Been Kissed. Um, but yeah, my mom was just like, that's the only thing she could say was like, why didn't you guys mention Never Been Kissed? So hi, mom. Thanks for <laughs> listening. Um, a few, two more movies I wanted, I wanted to, to throw off you of are they journalism movies? Because uh, I did a little on my Instagram. I asked people what their favorite one was. And this one popped up a few times. And that's Anchorman. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it definitely as as unfocused and all over the place as it is, it does address specifically uh, the introduction of of women into the newsroom, which yeah leads into our film today. Yeah, exactly. And my last one I wanted to ask that came to me when my mom mentioned Never Been Kissed, uh, Sleepless in Seattle, because Meg Ryan is a journalist. Hmm. <laughs> and she is doing a story or trying to do a story on Tom Hanks' on character. Tom Hanks? Oh, I, I had kind of forgotten that part. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I guess that shows you how how important that feels to the rest of the film. To the story. But but we actually, we talked about this way back in the day, I think in our first Reball Comedy episode. We didn't really mention it in this past, or a few months ago when we did it, but how a lot of Screwball Comedies had this, a lot of people, a lot of main characters in, the, in the, those movies or even romantic comedies have a job dealing with like the written word or the word of some kinds. So they're usually journalists or essayists or writers. And this is a little bit like, I feel like with a lot of these characters, even though it is television news, like Holly Hunter and Albert Brooks write their own, like write material for the news constantly. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the big kind of one of the big shifts is that William Hurt's character doesn't write his own stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that's a, so little, little kind of DNA of the whole genre, but Thomas, let's go into it. Cause this, you picked this movie. Yes. Broadcast news. Is it one of your favorite movies of all time? It's, it's one, it is, it's, it's definitely my favorite rom-com. It's a, it's okay. a go-to, go-to Valentine's day movie for me. Um, I think it's, it's a fantastic love triangle film. Yeah. It's, it's hard to pull those off. Yeah, no, I agree. So, so Thomas, tell tell us about Broadcast News. Yeah, so Broadcast News, nineteen eighty seven film. Um, it's available to rent on any streaming platform. It's not actually streaming anywhere, quote unquote, for free, but but you can find it places. Um, a little plot intro: Network News producer Jane Craig falls for new pretty boy reporter Tom Grunick, a sports reporter who represents the trend towards entertainment news that she despises. Aaron Altman, a talented but nervous correspondent, carries an unrequited torch for Jane. Sparks fly between the three as the network prepares for big changes, and both the news and Jane must decide between style or substance. Very true. There you go. Uh, little cast true. intro. Holly Hunter is Jane. William Hurt mm-hmm. is Tom. Albert Brooks is Aaron. And uh, you've got a supporting cast rounded out by Robert Prosky, Joan Cusack, and Jack Nicholson in an uncredited yeah. appearance as network anchor Bill Rorish. Yeah. I remember the first time I watched this, I was like, oh, Nicholson's in this movie. <laughs> and no one said anything. And it's a decent amount of time. It's not, he it's does. not really like a cameo. Like, he is a character in it. Yeah, it's, not, it's, not, it's like he's always kind of playing in the background mm-hmm. uh, during, like, while they're working in the uh in the news in the news de- our newsrooms so for our crew intro it was written and directed by james l brooks was shot by michael michael ballhouse and we'll go more into this later but it was produced by polly platt uh yeah 
regular Ret- subject Poly of the Platt podcast. Retur- yeah, Polly Platt Returns is yep. what I like to say. And associate produced by Susan Zorinsky, who we will be discussing in length during this episode. Yeah. So Brandon, what were what were your initial thoughts here? I mean, I I've I've revisited broadcast news a couple times the past few years. It's it's a movie where it is it's a it's a it's an interesting film because it is a rom com, but it sometimes there is a stigma put on that that uh, term mm-hmm. a rom com. Usually, sometimes a lot of people see those inferior movies in some way. Like I know I talk with a lot of people who are writers. So, oh, I don't write rom-coms. Like, yeah, but some rom-coms have the best writing. And I think Broadcast News is one of those where, like, it is a rom-com on the surface, but there's so much more going on in this film regarding just human behavior. Yeah. And 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 just and how and, and with and specifically within the news world, just the uh, kind of the details of the news world and and specifically capturing this change in American news um, in the eighties that would, I think would lead to a massive shift as we talked about earlier uh, in the nineties, the 24 hour news cycle with CNN and with Fox news. And like, there's a part in the movie where like, um, I think this might has not aged well with Albert Brooks's character um, as Aaron Altman, when they're watching a specific story that William Hurt just did, he goes, he goes, can I turn on the news? Mm-hmm. And he's like, and it's kind of this, like it's this, sensationalized topics against the like information mm-hmm. and and james l brooks is a phenomenal job of kind of capturing these uh capturing these kind of traits of a news person and capturing this changing of the tide or or yeah changing of the tide i guess um in character form with like albert brooks kind of representing the edward murrow of the murrows of the world and then William Hurt kind of representing these, the rise of, I mean, CNN and like Fox News, like TV anchors of the of the entertainment, pretty to look at like type mentality of, uh, you're giving them, you're telling them a story, you're not telling them the news. It's kind of the William Hurt's thing. So you want to keep them entertained the entire time. And then you have someone like Holly Hunter who is trapped in the middle of both those uh, worlds and as as kind of love interest she sees the uh pros and cons of both them but also she's like her views of the news and the changing of the news is represented in those two characters as well and so it's almost like if she's choosing one of them she's choosing how like she like the the path she's going to go down in terms of her job regarding the news Mm -hmm. but no yeah i think i think the chemistry with with these three is phenomenal and I think too, it's it's just it's it's aged well in terms of like modern romance in a weird way because I want to get into like Aaron Altman being the or Albert Brooks being the quote unquote nice guy yeah role yeah it's it if it, it, it's like because uh, was you sent me the AV Club uh, article and there's a great line where it says about these characters uh, these characters are not villains but they're pretty close sometimes mm-hmm. and I think all three of these characters are bordering on being could border on becoming bad people yeah. by just like the kind of, but they're, but they're complex and they're flawed. And that's what, that's what Brooks really captures well in this film. Yeah. It's, it's wild. How many love triangle movies were made after this movie was made yeah, and still fell into the tropes that this movie seems to like, expl- like break obliterates. Open. Yeah. yeah. Just obliterates. 
Brooks was like, you don't have to write love triangles like this anymore. And then, and then yeah. people continued to do that. They're like, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> this is one of those movies that gets funnier every time I watch it. And and, and I don't want to, you know, there's a certain type of like cult film where you're like a, like a Cohen film where you kind of like know a line is coming and it makes it funnier and funnier to know the line is coming. Yeah. And this isn't necessarily like that. But I, f- I feel like the wit, every time I watch it, I feel like it, it's sharper and sharper. No, yeah, I agree completely. And and there's just, there's there's lines that, specifically from Albert Brooks, I feel like is who I gravitate towards in terms of his lines. Like the whole, uh, I'll meet you at the place in the thing where we met, we went that one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Brooks really captures the friendship of Hunter and Brooks. And the humor they have is like friends mm-hmm. is the thing. Like I, one of my favorite lines too is, is Brooks early on is talking about, uh, he goes, I'm slipping. He goes, do do people who are slipping know they're slipping? Are the people who think they're slipping are actually the people who have who are actually uh, on the upward? And I was just like, I think about that all the time. <laughs> like I think that 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 hit me hard. I was like, yeah, you think you're constantly failing. All three of these characters, weirdly, for people who are kind of confident and knowledgeable and intelligent, they all three are very insecure, and they almost feel like they they somehow wandered in the room and don't they don't know how they got there. Yeah. And there's always someone better than them out there. I think every, I think all three of them feel that way in some in some way. Yeah. Which I think is very interesting. I think and we'll we'll talk about kind of the writing process on this film, but some this this movie captures something that's not just like news specific. I think it was in Roger Ebert's review he says something about this movie speaks to like anyone who's addicted to the deadline. And and it does capture that lifestyle yeah and and that state of mind to to work in any industry that feels that way well speaking of the the development process let's let's jump into how it got made so after winning best writer best director and best screenplay for 1984's terms of endearment james l brooks had to figure out his next project and as the creator of the Mary Tyler Moore show in the 1970s, Brooks had previously covered women breaking into the male-dominated newsrooms of the 70s, but he now wanted to explore what life and work was like for women who were more established in the industry in the 80s. So Brooks started reaching out to contacts at news networks across the country and asked to set up meetings with high-ranking female employees across the networks. He embarked on this like cross-country interview tour oh wow just meeting with people interviewing all over and while on his tour brooks was introduced to cbs news floor producer susan zarinsky on the last day of the democratic national convention in san francisco he asked if he could buy her a cup of coffee in exchange for a conversation about her job she told him she had the next day off and they set up a meeting she had no idea who he was until her boss told her afterwards that the man she was speaking to had just won three oscars They, uh, they met up the next day, and after three hours of talking about Zarensky's experience in broadcast news, she apologized and told Brooks that she had to leave. She and her boyfriend, who was also a CBS producer, had gotten married at San Francisco City Hall that afternoon, and she had left the mm-hmm. celebrations to keep her meetings with her meeting with Brooks. Oh, man. And Brooks says, uh, he says the character of Jane was based off of many of the women he met on his nationwide tour, but he says... The, the real heart of broadcast news was really born in that moment to just be like, Oh my gosh, this person left yeah. her wedding to come do this interview. <laughs> Cause she made him, she made a meeting with, she had a meeting yeah. with me. 
While Paramount had produced Terms of Endearment, Fox had snapped up Brooks and funded his news station tour in hopes of replicating Terms of Endearment's Oscar sweep. With funding and distribution set fairly easily, Brooks assembled his team. He and Polly Platt had had a falling out after Terms of Endearment, although neither can remember why. But <laughs> but uh, Brooks called her immediately and told her that she absolutely had to be on this film. In her memoir, Polly Platt says, Jim called me and fought harder than anybody I've ever seen fight, she said. Mm. Platt finally signed on as producer, and the last piece of the puzzle Brooks needed was Zarensky herself. He talked her into coming on as an associate producer and her, their, his newsroom consultant, helping to write the news reports in the film and making sure everything was as accurate as possible. Zarensky at that point still didn't realize how much Jane had evolved from her conversations with Brooks, and she was shocked when she arrived on set to see many of aspects of Jane from her stature and her hairstyle to her morning cry sessions reflected stories that Zarensky had <laughs> yeah. told Brooks. She said the first yeah. time she met Holly Hunter in costume, Brooks came up behind her humming the Twilight Zone theme song. Yeah, it's when you when you look at like uh Zarensky and Holly Hunter at the specific point in time, it is kind of uncanny mm-hmm. cuz like they're very they're both kind of like short in stature a little bit like and it, it's they I don't know how to put and there it's Holly Hunter in this movie is just like <clears throat> is a firecracker mm. and i don't i, I don't know how else to explain it because when you see her like especially when she's standing up against hurt and she feels like she's just like constant movement like i'm reminded of the the airport scene where that's where you really see like the size difference mm. and she's like uh hold on now we're gonna finish this conversation <laughs> yeah well speaking to hunter um for casting brooks wrote the part of jane with deborah winger in mind um they had previously worked okay. together on terms of endearment but she became pregnant uh, just before filming when it was too late to postpone the project at that point. Holly Hunter came on with two days left before filming started. Um, She had recently filmed her first major role in the Coen brothers raising Arizona, but the film wouldn't come out until the same year as Mm -hmm. broadcast news in 1987. Um, While Brooks has never confirmed how much of the script was completed when filming started, he has said that while writing the film, he couldn't decide if Jane should end up with Aaron or Tom and decide to just start filming, see how the performances shape the characters <laughs> and decide from there. Yeah, I don't. I Yeah, I don't recommend that. <laughs> no. I know from any type of producing standpoint, that's probably hell yeah. to hear that. Hey, we're just going to make it up. This at is the a end. very rare instance <laughs> where it worked out. But I think that I think yeah. that really and, and we'll get into favorite scenes and maybe we can discuss the ending there but i think that's what makes it feel so realistic is because sometimes you watch these movies and you can tell where it's like especially with rom-coms like this you can you're watching it and you're like these two aren't supposed to end up together but that's just what the script yeah said. like sometimes some the, yeah. the person has better chemistry with the, especially in a love track there's i can't think of one off the top of my head right now but like they there's movies where you're watching it and you're like, she should have ended up with this other person. Like they had so much better chemistry, <laughs> but you know that like the script was written before anyone was cast and before anyone had yeah. any idea what the chemistry was going to be like. I know when I watch this film or the first time I watched it and even now it's like, I don't want her to end up with either of them. Yeah. At the end of the day, I really just don't like, I think, I think they're all flawed, but I think it really does capture the like, this person's good in the moment, mm-hmm. if that makes like good in the moment for this specific time, 
but like you're not meant to like go on and like be with this person um and that's why i think this captures very well and yeah we'll talk about the ending because the ending is kind of one where a lot of people complain that it's unsatisfying mm-hmm. and i agree it make that makes it more realistic so that's why i'm always kind of on the fence about the ending because it isn't your traditional rom-com ending no not at all but but it still shows how these characters have grown and how they are somehow in each in each other's lives mm-hmm. all right what are, what are some of your favorite scenes favorite scenes well first off i mean the whole the whole tape like them trying to get the tape oh, for deadline course. i i think it's just amazing like i think i think all the characters work i think i think it really sums up all, like, like specifically Hunter and Brooks and kind of the atmosphere of the newsroom of uh, but so, some of Hunter and Brooks's personality with Hunter like the whole thing it's like they're they're close to deadline and all she can think about is like oh go shoot a shot of Norman Rockwell's homecoming <laughs> that's in my office just to be able, just to be able to even have that idea with like yeah minutes on left the fly to, to air. yeah and that you had shot a shot that looked just like that painting. And you're like, hey, go get me that painting. And Cusack's like, we don't have enough time. We have enough time. But I love when when the, the video tech guy uh, like says, oops. And they go, oops. <laughs> and, and, and Holly goes, Bobby, 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 Bobby. <laughs> just like saying his name over and over again. And like, and then looking at Joan Cusack while saying it, like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be like, it's just like. It's just phenomenal writing, phenomenal performances in that moment. And then Joan Cusack having her her kind of um obstacle course mm-hmm. to get through the newsroom to get through uh get through the uh, to, to to airing and literally putting the tape in right when Nicholson is like leading it mm-hmm. in. I think I think it's just a, a phenomenal scene that I think really you know it's not the beginning of the movie, it really sets the tone for the rest of the film. Yeah. I think it, it, it goes to speak to how kind of iconic that scene has become. I noticed today when I was looking up some um, background articles, the when you Google broadcast news and you know how Google gives you those like pre-filled questions, one of the yeah, like, yeah. pre-filled questions to come up is like at, at what run point in the runtime of the film does the like two minutes to air sequence happen? Yeah. Because people are just like Googling like where to jump to to, to rewatch that yeah. scene specifically. Yeah. Cause, I mean, it's kind of. I mean, it feels like that's when the movie starts. I mean, it sets up all the other character relationships before, mm-hmm. but that's where it's like, this is the world we're in. Okay, Bobby, just a two second dissolve to the Rockwell. Now, should I? Just a two second dissolve. Jesus, we have three minutes. Why do you do this to me? Is it because I won an award? Homecoming, Norman Rockwell's enduring portrait. The return of a fighting man has always been one of the more moving ceremonies of war. We have a minute and a half. It's my responsibility to tell the control room and New York that we won't be ready. Uh-uh, we'll be ready. In 84 seconds, 15 seconds. Oh, God. You're saying, oh, God. Lay it in, Bobby. Back out. They're going to go up and the screen will be black, and they're going to go to black because we're not there. What about careers, huh? We're not going to make it. Whoops. Whoops. Bobby, 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 Bobby,
Well, that's kind of that's that's kind of it's it's Tom's intro to that world. And it's also kind yes. of our intro to Tom because we we when when she meets him at the conference we're we're introduced we're, we're kind of introduced to him through her eyes where he's he's I mean very earnest about uh-huh. where he is in in the industry and how he feels about yeah. it and she's just like oh please give me a break like I don't I don't believe yeah. any of this and so I do think that scene's really it, obviously he's not the focus of that scene in any way and it's a great intro to to yeah. Jane in her element especially because it's the first time we've really seen like how good Jane is at her job. We know that she cares a lot about yeah. her job, but we, we hadn't seen yet that she is like a genius yeah. at it as well. But yeah, because our intro before that is just her giving that speech kind yeah, of, nobody that cares. just goes horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, no one cares. Um, but, but Tom also through that whole thing is just like delighted and fascinated. And it does yeah. help you realize that like he, at some part of him does sincerely care about this it, it might not yeah. be the right yeah it might not be the same motivations or the motivations that jane wants him to have but but he is motivated yeah. he's not just like in it for the money or whatever yeah he he definitely enjoys as it as he talks about later he enjoys the thrill of it all mm-hmm. like i know that's the th- that's the part when he's like after the news broadcast when he's the anchor he's like it was like sex <laughs> like we were like we were having sex out there and it's just like and when you, and the thing is, you see him have sex with the other anchor, like the afterwards. He's not that excited. Yeah. He, I, 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 to him, it's like it's the thrill of like being on the being on the news. And, you know, let's and let's, being let's in front discuss of everyone. that scene real quick because this is something I love about that scene specifically and the whole love triangle of this movie. He's so he 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 comes into Jane's office and he's like, to have you in my ear like that. It was it was so intimate <laughs> and exciting. But what I what I do kind of love about this movie is Jane had Aaron in her ear through the whole thing. So did they just have like yeah. a, a little threesome and Tom didn't even realize. it. <laughs> yeah, because Aaron calls her up and it's just like uh, they're called the Tomcats and like this, that like he keeps like give, he, he feeds her information and then it just goes right into the air. And Brooks, Albert Brooks, just like. I say it here and it appears on there. He's so it's snarky just like, in that scene. It's it's hilarious. He's, I mean, he's snarky throughout the entire thing, yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's that's like I sadly relate to Albert Brooks a lot in this movie. It's just there's moments where I was like, Yep, yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. I understand you there. I mean he gets it gets a little creepy in moments of just like how it's the it's that he gets pissed off at at, at, at Holly Hunter or uh, at Jane a lot because again, it's the nice guy trope that we have nowadays just like it's, it's, it's the friend zone it's the friend zone he's friend zone he's like well you should be with me because i care about you more and we're more in line of with our thinking and it's like why hasn't this happened yet and so he becomes jealous when when tom gets into it and it's the moment but this is where it kind of showcases the friends aspect of it is that he'll yell at her and then it's like okay i'm sorry come back like let's like let's discuss this like i guess like like we're friends or like mm-hmm. we're adults um but you see that first break of the kind of break of the armor i guess you could say when like something is first told to him he become he becomes a child at the Mm -hmm. end of the day he becomes a child and throws a tantrum and then it's like let me back up we're friends let's discuss this more like adults yeah yeah well and i think that's you know that's one of the great strengths of this movie is it any other a a more simplistic rom-com would present him as you know, like the perfect best friend and they probably yeah. would have ended up together. But yeah, you're right. He is a child. He's immature. And also he, 
there's something about he can talk the talk, but he in the end at the end of the day he can't walk the walk. No, and and so despite all of his rantings about what real news is, the the movie shows us he can't deliver. Like he 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 can't deliver it. And so Tom's Tom's always going to have something that he doesn't in that. And he and he doesn't like that. And it's mm-hmm. the it's the scene where I mean the scene that kind of like he just wants to like always poke at Tom and make him feel make him seem make make Tom know, "Hey, I know more than you." It's the how many members of the cabin are there? Can you name them all? Oh, you're you're not going to name all 13 right now and he's like, "No." And he's like, yeah, yeah. All twelve right now? He goes, no. Or, or do you know all twelve of them? Yes. There are only ten. <laughs> I made one rule for myself when this started, and I realized that was gonna take a lot from you people because of being from sports. And that rule was never to pretend to know more than I did. Can you name all the members of the cabinet? Okay, let's drop it. What? I mean, I am not going to take a test for you. I mean, if that came up in conversation... We're conversing. Oh, no. The names of the cabinet have slipped my mind. Say, do you know them? Okay, don't name them for me. Just tell me if you know. Yes, Aaron, I know the names of the cabinet. Okay. All 12? Yes. There's only 10. You're feeling good, aren't you? I'm starting to, yeah. Hey, we may do Capitals of the States next. 50, right? Like he, I mean, there's comedy in the movie for sure, but Brooks is kind of the one that really lifts it to that romantic comedy, like, Mm -hmm. stature, I feel. Well, and speaking of that, my, um, one of my favorite scenes, probably, probably my favorite scene in the whole movie is when, when she comes over to his house after he's, he's blown his, his, um screen test yeah and it it's so well done the two of them together are so good and he's got his line about um believe me when i say that tom while a very nice person is the devil (laughs) and then he has a great speech of just like let me tell you why and And you're like i love i don't know why this is one of my favorite shots and it's all blocking i mean it's it's not you know it's not an incredible shot but while he's while he's giving his speech about why Tom is the devil, they have this reaction shot and it's just so Jane, like she can't stop moving and it's just one shot and she walks, and she's walking back and forth into yeah. his kitchen and back out around. And then she like pulls her dress up. It's perfect. It's so good. It's like she, yeah, she can't stop moving. She's con- she's, she's always on edge. It that, feels there's like so many good lines in that scene. That's, that's she's yeah. about to leave and she turns back around. She's like, you know what? I think you're the devil. And he says, you know, I'm not the devil because we're good. We're good enough friends. And if I was the devil, you'd be the only person I'd tell. <laughs> I know you care about him. I've never seen you like this with anybody. So don't get me wrong when I tell you that Tom, while being a very nice guy, is the devil. This isn't friendship. You're crazy, you know that? What do you think the devil's gonna look like if he's around? God. Come on, no one's gonna be taken in by a guy with a long red pointy tail. Come on, what's he gonna sound like? (sighs) No. I'm semi-serious here. You're serious? He will be attractive. He'll be nice and helpful. He'll get a job where he influences a great God-fearing nation. He'll never do an evil thing. He'll never deliberately hurt a living thing. 
He'll just bit by little bit lower our standards where they're important. Just a tiny little bit. Just coax along, flash over substance. Just a tiny little bit. And he'll talk about all of us really being salesmen. And then, and then, oh, and then oh, yeah, it's just, it's a great, like, argument scene, but also just an argument between friends. It's the, because it starts off when she's like, I think I'm in love with you, and he, or love with him, and he's just like, you get, get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. And then he's like, okay, I'm sorry. Come back. Come back. And <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's, there's a, so much stuff. And then the end, the kind of the button of the scene, again, that kind of reveals just how much of a dick Albert Brooks can be. Uh, or, or uh, Altman's character can be is that um, when Tom calls and uh, Jane talks to him and it's like, okay, like don't come by tonight. It's okay. That seems more important. Once Brooks knows that she's not going back, he goes, well, thanks for coming. Yeah. Like, and I, I was just uh, like, all right, I've ruined your night. No, yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm done. We're good. I don't need talking more. As long as I know you're not going back to his place. And I'm just like, God, that's, he's a dick in this moment. Mm-hmm. so that is that is my favorite scene but my favorite line of dialogue i know this section is called favorite scenes but i have to call out that's fine it, it is perfect it is so well done and holly hunter is one of the best line readings in any movie ever i think <laughs> is when they've they've picked tom to anchor the special news broadcast paul the uh-huh. the president of the news division and and Jane pulls him outside and she's like, you're wrong. Aaron should do this. Tom's not ready. And he says, Paul says, well, that's your opinion. And she says, it's not my opinion. It's a fact. And he says, well, excuse me. It must be so great to always be smarter than everyone else in the room and to always know what's right. <laughs> Jane just goes, no, it's horrible. <laughs> it's so, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's awful. So <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it's almost like she realizes like, no, it's awful. Like, <laughs> You, you don't want this burden on you. I had read that they had done that scene 24 times, that take. Well, the one that they come away with is pitch perfect. It's your Catherine Hepburn uh, <laughs> thing from, from Philadelphia yeah. story. <laughs> Tom's not ready for the job you're about to hand him. Not near ready. Not by the longest shot. Now, Aaron spent six weeks in Tripoli. He's interviewed Gaddafi. He reported on the 81 story. I think he's essential to do the job we're capable of. And I I think it's my responsibility to tell you that. Okay, that's your opinion. I don't agree. It's not opinion. You're just absolutely right. And I'm absolutely wrong. It must be nice to always believe you know better. To always think you're the smartest person in the room. No, it's awful. I also love love showing people this movie because just to see their reactions the first time she cries because it's such a jarring jarring scene. Like, you have no idea it's coming. And she's just like... Yeah, because she's like... It's like she's happy. It's just on the phone. And then she just undoes the the phone. And then you're just watching her as she kind of like... Like, builds herself up to cry. And then you're like, <laughs> what the hell is happening? And then what I find is so funny, it's just like, I know it's terrible. She's crying because she's she's so, like, anxiety-filled uh, character. But it's like, you're in the middle of a certain scene, and then it just cuts. And she's, like, by the lake, 
crying or like at her off it's just a great like cut to another scene mm. thing you don't need the setup of why like she it's like she set time to just sit and cry even to the point of like knowing she could be caught in her office when like people are walking in they're like uh, uh hey jane oh hey and just starts like wiping tears away and tries tries to hide it a little bit but i'm just like you're just like full-blown crying yeah i've seen a few uh few women i know who are in kind of the workforce or something and they they say like i didn't think or i never saw a movie that represented me until i saw broadcast news and saw holly hunter Mm -hmm. like because she's this just this ambitious character who loves her work but is just so but always like no she's being told over and over again she's good but she always feels like she's incapable of being great i guess if that makes sense Well, and it's 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 not one of those movies, you know, there's these movies that especially in the 80s that were like, you can have it. Women can have it all. They can join the workforce or also like in the end, you're going to have to choose between like love and, and work and all this stuff. And and ultimately, this movie is like you can you can be successful. You mm-hmm. can maybe one day settle down. But whatever you do, it's going to be stressful as hell. <laughs> yeah. And it just feel, it feels very honest. It feels relatable for anyone. To, no, it does. In, it does. It does. Sort of yeah, yeah. You call Jane, Craig, just a minute. Then we're going to go to Martin Kleinick State for the message from Libya. Then you're going to have the carrier pilot from the Sidra in time to... What? No! You missed him! We only have ten minutes left. How can you talk to me about parking problems? No! Not your try. You'll do it. Do it! Or I'll fry your fat ass at still. Goodbye! I had no idea she was this good. I mean, I love one of my favorite parts uh, is Nicholson. When Nicholson comes to the the newsroom, because he's he's based in New York and he comes down D.C. for the D.C. branch and he's like seeing everyone as they're getting laid off for the Mm -hmm. like that day. And he's just like, these these layoffs are tough. And and Paul, the head of the news division, is like, well, if you, it'd be a lot easier if you if you took a, took a million off your salary. And Nicholson doesn't say a word. He just kind of, kind of huffs and turns to Paul, like, "Are you are you serious, you son of a bitch?" It's got like kind of what he's like says. And Paul's like, "Horrible joke, horrible <laughs> joke. It's so just tough joking. right now. <laughs> horrible joke. I'm sorry. What was I say?" <laughs> And then just and Nicholson again Nicholson like he has just like the great kind of just like even that moment it's like he, it cuts away to him like just watching us people get fired and it's just like well I'm gonna get out of here so like walks out of the room or whatever because he knows like I mean he's the face of this like he could mm-hmm. end some of this but he just chooses not to um, another another favorite scene of mine because I think it it's so important in this movie like I said before any other rom com you're thrown into and you're like this guy that she's physically attracted to but from a personal point of view really doesn't like versus the best friend that she you know has incredible chemistry with but isn't that Mm -hmm. attracted to obviously she's gonna like end up with the best friend that's just how tropes work yeah but this and and so it'd be really easy for them to not try and really make the chemistry between her and tom Mm -hmm. that realistic Mm-hmm. But the scene when they kind of their like first date when they go to the reception together mm-hmm. is so good. Their chemistry when she's up at she's up on the balcony and she's like, if he doesn't see me, 
in the next yeah, we minute. It's, be, not, yeah. it's not meant to yeah. be. And he like turns around and looks up and sees her and his whole face lights up. And then he like comes up the down escalator to her. Yeah. It's so good. It's it's so hard in a, in a rom-com like this. It's so hard to sell like this person. Everything in, in her being is like repulsed by this guy. Except yeah. physically she is so yeah. attracted to him. Yeah. And they've got insane chemistry. Yeah. And that would that's on paper, that is so hard to pull off. And yeah. and Brooks and Hunter and 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 her manage to do it. But there's one part, again, it kind of is the the nugget of what was gonna be the conflict of the story. And it's said early on. Well, it's not early on, it's right before Tom's about to go do his first new newscast. And they're all like hanging out together, they're all at a, a party. I feel like it's Christmas. I don't know if it is because there's a little bit of snow on the ground when they're all at like Paul's house or they're at a specific house or whatever. But she, but uh, Hunter's wearing red and there's snow a little bit on the ground. So it made me think it was like Christmas time or something. They're all kind of having a little Christmas get together. But Joan Cusack is like basically like talking to Paul, the head of the news division and saying how like, well, the newspapers are in to make money. Why, why shouldn't we? Like we should be more about like the entertainment kind of side of it. And then Paul's just like, well, I have to go now and leaves. And Brooks is just like, what a great thing to say to the the president of the news division. <laughs> um, and then and Joan Cusack's like, you know what? I used to find you attractive. He goes, well, that changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this little thing of just like, again, it shows just like Brooks is, I mean, Brooks is kind of, uh, our Brooks is kind of just, like lowness like how far he'll go sometimes mm-hmm. and then but also just shows again the the conflict within the the ethics of it i also love when they're just like debating ethics like ethic issues you know when oh, they're yeah. like if this happens yes or no question would you do would you do this like would you tell a uh source that you love them to yeah. get a story they're just like that's they do in their free time on break like hey let's let's go through some ethical problems here what would you do <laughs> Also, speaking of Joan Cusack, she gets one of the best lines in the film when she tells Jane, uh, "Yeah, in all aspects except for socially, you're my socially. role model." <laughs> so a little bit of a little bit of onset life. Okay. Much much like the within the film, the story of broadcast news on set is truly a story of Brooks, Zarinsky, and Platt doing way too much. <laughs> Brooks was constantly rewriting and second guessing his ending throughout filming. At one point, he decided that Tom was going to come back and get in the cab with Jane at the end and decided to surprise Hunter by not telling her that Hurt would be hopping in the cab with her. Hurt wasn't even supposed to be on set that day, but a crew member mentioned something about to Holly about Bill being ready for the scene just before shooting. So Brooks scrapped the whole scene and went back to the drawing board. He said it. Well, they they shot it. They they shot shot it. it. But he he said he was never happy with her. Well, and he said that. He said that Hunter and Hurt both pushed him to pick that ending, but he said without without Hunter's like real surprise, that was that was all he was gunning for. And, it, and if you watch that ending, it does it does not work at <laughs> all. I'm sorry, it does not work. Um, he says it took him longer than he would like to admit to realize that none of the characters should end up <laughs> together. Uh, as Roger yeah. Ebert put it in his review, while intended to be a love triangle, the movie had ultimately become a story of three people who toy with the idea of love, but are obsessed with the idea of making television. Yeah. Meanwhile, Polly Platt was having a very hard time letting go of the duties from her past role as a production designer. Um, she worked closely with the film's production designer, Charles Rosen, and had detailed input into the costuming, color palette, set decoration, and more. 
She chose red to be the film's primary color as red was the most prominent color in the picture of current televisions at the time. Interesting. And Brooks recalls one scene in which Platt decided there wasn't enough color and Paul's shooting to paint a, black, a background stair railing red herself. She also lent other detailed touches throughout the film, including the note where Jane removes her shoulder pads from her own blazer to give to Aaron before his screen test. And, you know, in the role of producing, there's, you know, there's creative producers and there's financial producers and there's all in between. But, yeah, it's pretty unheard of to have a producer grab a paintbrush on a film of, of this size of this dish yeah this stature of this much budget of this like we just came off oscar wins type deal and and she's like i'm gonna go paint this railing red it's a very quick scene it's the scene when when albert brooks when when aaron's character is beat up as a child she decided there wasn't enough red in the background oh gosh <laughs> I'll, I'll ask about that scene later i have i have a spot for that th- those scenes uh, last but not least in this holy trinity of people overextending themselves yeah that stayed entirely true to what was happening within the story of the film as well susan zarinsky refused to take time off of work at cbs to consult in the film instead working a full day at cbs each day and working on the film throughout the night while consultant can be a very loose term in film zarinsky was integral to this movie writing most of the news copy herself consulting with real news contacts to make sure the fake news stories were as accurate as possible and even tweaking much of the news office set deck by hand in the editing bay. Most of the tapes uh, were hand labeled by Zarinsky. Yeah, she I, I saw she did an interview on Criterion's Blu-ray and she talked about how when uh, Jane's doing the switchboard operating like or on the mic, not the mic, that's what we're but going to the mics of like uh, the guy in front of the White House or, or Tom or whatever is that she's like, oh, we would have these labeled. So she's like, before the scene, she grabbed a piece of tape and then wrote it all down. So people are like, oh, I see your handwriting in the movie. Mm-hmm. So like you, like you said, all the writing that you see of kind of in the newsroom is all her. Well, and she said um, when, when when they were writing the news story for the, the special news broadcast, when it, is it, is it mm-hmm. Libya? Libya, it, yeah. She, she was calling her contacts at the pentagon and saying like how far would a, would this specific libyan yeah. model of airplane be able to fly on a tank of gas and they're mm. all like what are what are we discussing here this, <laughs> this sounds serious and she, and then i read too that she because they only had nicholson for a day is what it was really and she wrote a hundred stories for him to read so that when you're watching the movie uh you hear him in the background like constantly because mm-hmm. they, they won the heck because that's what would be happening is if he's doing the nightly news and they're all there it would be playing on the background and so she wrote a hundred hundred stories so, so he could read on camera and they could play in the movie and yet she still claims to this day that jane is not based on her <laughs> yeah i know right <laughs> um and then i think there's one other thing that she did uh oh yeah but with the, with the cbs thing she says yeah i would work all night and then I'd go home, shower, maybe get a 30-minute nap, and then go back into work. Ridiculous. Um, so for the aftermath, the film was a critical and financial success, garnered rave reviews, including four stars from Mr. E- Roger Ebert. Yep. And uh, it grossed $68 million against a $20 million budget. It should also be noted, this is a great you know, marker at where the film industry was at at this time. This movie came out the same weekend as Moonstruck mm-hmm. and Overboard, so we were definitely at a at a at a big spot for for studio rom coms. 
very much so in terms of, and also like being prestige movies yeah. essentially yeah, moonstruck, moon, yeah. moonstruck yeah broadcast news were big oscar oscar nominees um while the new york times review was mostly positive they did dock the film for the cutesy prologue and an epilogue that tried to tie the plot up too neatly a few excerpts from pauline kale i could find online would make it <laughs> seem like she did not care for it um <laughs> It was included in an essay on Top Gun and some other films of the mid 80s that described those films as feature length commercials. Uh, And so when comparing it to these other successes, she said broadcast news has some witty dialogue and it is moderately adult. So I guess we should be grateful. I just I love that this show has like I don't know why I've like I've just come to love Pauline Kale more and more, even though I tend I, I find I'm disagreeing with her more and more. Just, I'm just like, what Pauline Kale say? Did she hate it, or did she not like, or, or did she love it and I hated it? But she uh, she bemoaned the lack of plot structure and visual ambition, saying that Brooks was transforming cinema into television. I disagree with that last part. I, I I understand the first part a little bit, but like, I think the way he shoots, we didn't talk about this in favorite things, but the way he shoots the news broadcast broadcast with the split diopter that he does where it has like Holly Hunter on the, mm-hmm. on the right side in focus. And then Tom William Hurt and the left side way down, like way in the, the, the background also in focus. I mean, it's, it, it, it feels different than the rest of the movie for sure, but it's a moment where it needs to feel that way. And then he yeah. breaks that split diopter out a couple times and kind of big moments throughout the film. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to take a moment here to get on my Pauline Kale soapbox. When I was doing research for this script, I found references that she wrote an article about broadcast news that was featured in one of her collections that collection is no longer in print Uh and there is no other way to find that article and i think it is i think it is a travesty that the new yorker does not have a searchable database of her work i know and and she's getting a little bit more um i mean especially when you look at like people like ebert is has become the gold standard for film you can find any ebert stuff his website is very well run yeah, and and Pauline Kale I think is as influential as Ebert. No matter what I just said about her, I think she is as influential as Ebert. And I, I, think I understand if if you know when when these news stories were first being digitized, you know, mm-hmm. in the late '90s, her books were still in circulation, and and so in an effort to sell more books, maybe they didn't digitize these. But yeah. many of her books are completely out of print now. Yeah, so I really don't want to lose her work. Uh-huh. Yeah, her voice, That's, her voice in film criticism yeah. at the end of the day. Um, I tweeted at the New Yorker today, but they have I saw not, they have not tweeted me back yet. Should I tweet them as well? <laughs> where's where's where is let's the start a campaign. database? Let's start a campaign. All, they've, they've got scans of all of her writing on their website, but it's not searchable at all. Um, mm-hmm. So like I you would have to be able to find exactly what date she published that uh-huh. article to be able to find it on the New Yorker website. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you can't, so, so you can't search like by movie. You have to search yeah, by no, date. That's search. insane. Yeah. That's insane. All right, guys, tweet at New Yorker for, for yeah. our listeners out there. Contact the New Yorker and tell them you want more Pauline Kale, uh, accessibility. Oh I my God. If they digitized all of Pauline Kale's reviews, and then they all got uploaded. Imagine how many movies would the Rotten Tomato scores would drop. Oh, bro, <laughs> <laughs> be insane. <laughs> so while Brooks did not repeat terms of endearments, Academy Awards winning sweep, uh, the mm-hmm. film was nominated across the board. 
nominations for Best Picture, Best Actress for Hunter, Best Lead Actor for Hurt, Best Supporting Actor for Brooks, Best Screenplay, Best Cinematography, and Best Editing. Um, it's funny if you read almost all the reviews you read have like very similar wording where they say like Holly Hunter, who broke out in Raising, Raising Arizona, Arizona earlier this year, is much better in this film <laughs> and she yeah. shines and she establishes herself as a star. Yeah. So now over 30 years later, broadcast news is still revered as one of the most realistic portrayals of day to day life in the news industry. Uh, when asked if he thought he had created the most, the best and most prescient journalism movie of all time, Brooks said that he firmly believes Network is the greatest journalism movie of all time, if not the best movie of all time, period. Oh, wow. Um, in responding to praise that in responding to praise that broadcast news predicted the future of journalism, he simply said that the timing was right. The research was solid and it was simple to do as the future was already beginning to happen when they made the film. When she was also asked on the 30th anniversary of this film if Broadcast News was the best journalism movie ever, Zerinsky said, oh, I don't know. I liked Good Night and Good Luck a lot. <laughs> a lot of people do. That's good. <laughs> I mean, that was a lot of response. I got a couple of responses and the journalism thing on Instagram uh, that Good Night and Good Luck was a lot of people's favorites. The film has since been added to the National Film Registry at the Library of Congress in 2018. And it was recognized as number 64 on the American Film Institute's list of 100 funniest American movies. So it is is enjoyed a uh, very reverent uh, reputation in the years since. So, Brandon, what what worked here? What are we looking at? What worked? Well, I mean, the cast worked for sure. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I mean, it's it's a it's a three hander. I mean, it, it really is like I mean, you have like people like Joan Cusack and Nicholson pops up Um and another guy I love, Robert uh, Prowski, as well as kind of the the head of their like the the editor in chief or whatever of the news div- or the, their branch of news. Um, the cast is great. I think the the thematic issues are. I mean, it's very timely, and it be- it becomes even more relevant even today. Especially see- we're we're literally seeing the transition into our modern news cycle mm-hmm. is what it feels like i mean we're not seeing the 24-hour news news world that uh um we got and and the ending does not predict that either by the way um but it makes you feel like news is becoming a bigger thing in the world for sure um but no i think those issues i i, I it's a brooks the way brooks writes these kind of flawed complex and dynamic characters i think is just it can't you can't overstate how he he makes them all like you're you're they're not bad people but they really do come close to the edge of like becoming bad in some way mm-hmm. like he, he gives them like one one big uh trait that just makes them terrible people sometimes but he doesn't overdo it yeah it's very it's very realistic. Yeah, it makes them, very realistic. Makes them feel real for sure. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, whether or not he thinks the film is prescient, I, I think it absolutely is. I think Aaron's got the great line when he's talking about the devil where he says all he'll do is lower our standards a little bit at a time. And I'm telling you, man, that speech is just phenomenal. I was just <laughs> like, this sounds so real. Yeah. He's like, it's going to be handsome. He's going to he's going to do this. He's going to do that. And you won't know it. Yeah, but but like you said, I think the chemistry with everyone is ridiculous, especially for Hunter having come on so late. 
I mean, Holly Hunter, period. Let's say what worked Holly Hunter, period. Like, I mean, yeah. Holly, uh, yeah. She's 29, I think, at this moment. 29, 28 at this moment in time doing this movie. To come into this with like two days before filming and just become this character is yeah. is incredible. Was it two days before filming? Is that mm-hmm. what it was? Okay. Yeah. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hear that. Okay. Yeah. That's that's insane. And um, she's she's got she's hilarious. She's mm-hmm. got she's so relatable yeah she's she she humanizes the role i mean it could it could be very easy for this role to be over the top and and so manic that you're like no one is like that but but she sells it 100 percent. little known fact about holly hunter maybe that little known do you know her who her roommate was at one point i do not francis mcdormand oh is that how she ended up in raising arizona i think it because i think I feel well because they they both did Coen Brothers movies. They both uh, mm-hmm. Francis McDormand did Blood Simple, and Holly Hunter did Raising Arizona. I feel like it was that Hunter told her to go audition for Blood Simple. I think is what it was. Um, but yeah, they were they were roommates at one point. Let me. I, I want both of them in a movie together. Let's do it. Let's yeah, make it happen. We never have we, have we never had that. Have we Coen's never had make that? it happen. Yeah, and I think I think. As, as as we're talking about cast i think what also works in this movie is that it, the every you know it's it, there's no small parts in this movie no not at all every, no one is really like a comedic throwaway or a comedic sidekick or every you know the everyone who works in that office kind of has like an outside life and it makes the the layoff scene really tough i love the guys like i hope you die faster or whatever he says when he comes out <laughs> I hope you he die says, soon. If there's anything, if there's anything I can do, let me know. And he's like, yeah. you can die very soon. Or something. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's get on. I think I think I already know what you got in the chamber. Or what didn't work? Well, I mean, what didn't work? I'm not a big fan of the prologue. It's 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 unnecessary. Yeah, it feels very unnecessary. It feels it feels outdated now. Like mm-hmm. all I said was like, yeah, this feels very 80s. Or like we're showing their kids of the '60s, um, like they were always like she was always like this. William Hurt's always had issues of like being being attractive at such a young age. Is <laughs> what they're trying to say is I don't know what they mean by beat him off with a stick. Is like I think what he says to him. Mm-hmm. It's like because all the waitresses are apparently the waitresses are apparently flirting with this twelve year old. Is what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And um and then like Albert Brooks as Aaron or, or the young Albert Brooks as Aaron is just like as I'm graduating high school at the tender age of fifteen, I just want you all to know, like I forgive you. <laughs> I did. I went through high school so fast to get away from you all because you're so like difficult. Yeah, I I think it it boils all three of them down to like their most absurd character traits and yeah. Yeah, it does kind of take away some of the realism and 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 it, it comes it comes through so well in the movie yeah. later on. Like, you know, yeah. if 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 Brooks didn't sell how like smug Aaron was despite being a very likable person, like that that smugness that he just can't help. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you need that opening thing to show us that, but but Brooks sells it 100%. He does. He does. Yeah. It just feels like a crutch. It feels like mm-hmm. a, a a crutch. And and I don't know I don't know what how you start the movie. Like, where would you start the movie if you take that out? Where do you start it at? I think you just start it where it picks up after the, the prologue. I, I where she where she's in the uh, um, 
the hotel in the hotel room. room. Yeah. Okay. How do you feel about the ending? I I I like the ending and I feel unfulfilled by the ending, which is what the ending is meant to make you feel. Yeah, I, it does. I like that they. I like to see that they're all still friendly at the end, you know, and even a little bit, you know, they're about to work together professionally again. Well, two of them will. Aaron yeah. Brooks is just going to stay up in Portland. Yeah, but it's 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 nice to see them. It's it's nice to see them make up as friends. Yeah, but also that Albert Brooks still hasn't changed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's it it. I don't think it feels unnecessary. I I like checking back yeah. in on them. I do think that like the end of the story is her getting in the cab and and not giving the taxi driver directions. But then um, last minute says, but this would be better. Yeah. Or but Connecticut Street would be better. But um, but I do I do like it, and and you know the the unfulfilled part might is just. It is. It is. It is just because yeah. we are programmed to want somebody to end up together at the end of yeah. a movie. Period. Um, but we we know when you watch this movie, you know that's not the right choice. No, it's not. Alternate universe cast. There's not a whole lot from what I can you tell. Said, everyone you said else. De- yeah, you said Deborah uh, Winger. Yeah, everyone other than Deborah Winger was, you know, went down pretty easy. But in the brief frenzy to find a replacement for Winger after she announced her pregnancy. Uh, Judy Davis, Elizabeth McGovern, oh wow, Christine Lottie, Elizabeth Perkins, and Catherine O'Hara, oh wow, were all considered and or auditioned. Also, Sigourney Weaver was considered, which would have uh, been a repeat of her appearance with William Hurt in a journalism movie. Oh yeah, Eyewitness. In Eyewitness in 1981. Yeah, yeah. I think that was her first movie. All right, which out of those, which out of those would you go with? You said Catherine O'Hara, Sigourney Weaver, Elizabeth McGovern, Kristen Lottie, Elizabeth um, Perkins, and Judy Davis. Elizabeth Perkins, Judy Davis. Ooh, I might do Judy Davis. I think Catherine O'Hara. I think Catherine O'Hara too. <laughs> I, I, it's one. It's it's one of the two. Because Catherine O'Hara is the first one that got me jump like jump jumped out at me. It it would be a very different performance, but. It would be good, as everyone knows. Which I mean, Catherine O'Hara has come back in the consciousness because of Shit's Creek. Mm-hmm. It would have been interesting. What, we'll see. What was she just coming off SCTV? Is what it was at that yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because the the guest hum- stuff really hadn't cranked up yet. No, and and Home Alone's not until uh, eighty nine, I think, or ninety, ninety. Yeah. So she she had been in, or and she hadn't even been in Beetlejuice yet. That was a year later. So it could have been a breakout for her. Mm-hmm. Some film facts. Yeah. Uh, Jack Nicholson refused to be paid for his role in the film, and um, asked he was the one who asked to be uncredited and to keep his name and face out of all promotional materials. And they listened. Yep. Smart. Uh, as an example of how unfinished Brooks' script was, Albert Albert Brooks says that the um, Aaron's screen test scene merely read, something bad happens to Aaron. Uh, <laughs> one night while watching late night CNN, he said for character uh, inspiration, uh, Albert Brooks noticed an anchor he had never seen before spre- sweating profusely and assumed that he must have been new. So he called James Brooks at 3 a.m. and said, Aaron has to sweat. <laughs> like Nixon. <laughs> Um, Peter Hacks, who played News Division President Paul Moore, was actually an NBC news correspondent for 30 years. 
Oh, he wow. retired the year before this film started, um, saying that he was edged out by the handsome guys. So there you go. Relatable personal for him, especially <laughs> to have to play the one who's firing everybody. Yeah. For the, for the handsome guys. Um, Brooks's extensive interview tour of female news workers kicked off a huge debate in the aftermath of the film with many of his interview subjects arguing that the film was about them. It became such <laughs> a talking point in the industry that a month after the film's release, the Washington Post ran an article listing out the specific news media personalities who could have inspired certain aspects of Jane. Interesting. In response, Newsweek media critic Jonathan Alter is quoted as saying, practically every unmarried woman in her 30s with a decent job and an occasional anxiety attack thinks that this movie is about her. I mean, so it just says it was it was relatable to a lot of people, <laughs> it, um, men and women, I feel. And throughout her time working on the film, Zarensky insisted to her colleagues that the film wasn't about her. But when she attended the New York premiere of the film while in the bathroom at the after party, she overheard two women come into the bathroom and say, can you believe she gave us that bullshit that this had nothing to do with her? <laughs> they pointed out that Holly Hunter in the lead role of Jane Craig wore clothes that looked just like Zarensky's and that she cried just the way Zarensky did. One of the women in the bathroom said, who cries but her? <laughs> oh, man. She also says... Uh, she met one of her colleagues after the premiere and she said, maybe you shouldn't have told James all everything. <laughs> but Brooks did say there was uh, there was one specific person who he has never named out of respect, who said that she was in a love triangle with two of her coworkers and, and that that person inspired that part of the film. And, and it, he says it was someone other than Zarensky who told him about crying every morning, although Zarensky was known yeah, to he do did, that as yeah. well. Yeah, he did say that. He said that he 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 said. I think I read that he had heard a lot of women telling him that they would cry. He said he step. had a quote that said, "Once three people have told you something, assume that it's true." And that's yeah. where they that's where the crying every morning came from. Yeah. Um. All right. Any uh any story questions you're left with? There's one. There's one part. Okay. I feel like they made a change. Okay. Going back to the beginning part, not the prologue, but the after it. She's on the phone. She calls up Albert Brooks, right? And that's when they have their chat. But before yeah. she calls up Albert Brooks, she calls someone else. And she says, yeah, I'm so happy we work together. It saves me a call. And I've always wondered who that was. And it makes me think that is from later in the movie. And they have put it at the beginning. Hmm. Does that make sense? Because I don't yeah. know why she would say, I'm glad we work together. It saves me a call. And because we don't know anything about the characters yet in the movie, we just assume, okay, it's whatever. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that might be from earlier in the later in the movie and they put it to the front. Interesting. I've never clocked that before. And it's not that she's calling uh, Albert Brooks because she calls him next. Like she hangs up and calls him next. So it's not him. Hmm. So I'm like, who the, who the heck is this other person? Does Aaron become the top news guy in Portland? That's one of my story questions was, does Aaron deserve to be an anchor at any point? Uh, on a network or just on like on like a local station in a, area? In a smaller market. I thought, yeah, I, think, I feel like he might be in a smaller market type guy. Yeah. I, th I think he's doing Portland well. He, 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 if yeah. he takes any of Tom's tips, does he hate himself every time? Does he hate himself every time he sits on, he his, sits on his jacket? On, on the tails of his jacket. I did okay. Side thing, I did hear that was a Susan Zarinsky note. She told mm. them sit on your jacket to make a it makes a better line. So there you go. 
yeah, it's like, or it's the punch every, punch every, like some a word in every sentence. Mm-hmm. Punch it. But yeah, I love the moment when he does, he goes, like, refusing to sit on his jacket, and then he does, he goes, hey, hey. <laughs> That looks good. Good tip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's my only story questions is the, the beginning part. What I, I'm interested to see what Tom's career turns into. Does is is he literally Tom Brokaw? Yeah. Or is he Brian Williams? Uh, but yeah. Uh, oof, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny that I guess this is kind of a story question, but reading a lot of retrospectives on this movie to prepare for this episode and people are Mm -hmm. kind of torn as to whether Aaron's response to the date rape story hasn't aged well or if it was always intended to make him look like an asshole and it's 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 kind of 50 50 some people are like I thought to say yeah oh Aaron calls it not news and and that hasn't aged well and other people are like yeah it's still even in the context it's still kind of a, a a jerk move to like look at this woman crying about her experience and be like, ah, oh, this isn't news. I'm gonna make it about. Well, also it's gonna. I'm gonna make it about me. Mm-hmm. Is the thing that's kind of the the the, the dynamic or the kind of conflict that Brooks has is that yes, I love making the news about us. Is like kind mm-hmm. of the comment he he kind of derides Tom for is that Tom's always like putting shots of himself in mm-hmm. this in the story. Yeah, I I thought that too this time about Albert Brooks's reaction to the date rape story. Well, and I think, you know, I think when you watch the film, it's easy to kind of see Brooks as as Brooks, see Albert Brooks as James Brooks's kind of commentary on news. But I think Jane is more of his commentary on news, whereas whereas Aaron is very steadfast and like the news cannot evolve at all. And Jane does start to see throughout the film that it, it needs to evolve a little bit to stay relevant. She sees all these people get fired. Yeah. If you don't evolve, you know, all these people are losing yeah. their jobs. And and I so I think that she comes around to that story at least a little bit. She says, you know, it moved me. Yeah. She says, I think that, that's got to mean something that it moved me. Yeah. And so I, I she think, was like, I didn't li- I didn't like the she goes, I wouldn't have cut. I wouldn't have cut to you. Like, maybe I'm a little too conservative in how I tell the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's an interesting. It, it's funny. Like every retrospective I read brought that that scene back up and, and everyone's was pretty torn, which I, I, yeah, fully, I, I think, I, I think you can watch this movie and say, Oh, the nice guy in the friend zone trope has not aged well. And that's why Aaron comes off as an asshole now. But I think yeah. Aaron was, was written as, an know, asshole. I think yeah, it's yeah. pretty obvious. You go back and watch it, that Aaron's written as a little bit of an asshole. Yeah. And the, with, with that story, it's, it's the, his character it's 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 more just like i think it's it's because of what the story is i feel like if hurt told told a story that was also not that story but in a similar vein mm-hmm. i think what he's trying to do is show like the sense like how they're sensationalizing the news now mm-hmm. but it is still an important thing to talk about but Brooks is still held. Albert Brooks is still like hold up in the like we should be giving them information on policies and and war and this and that. This doesn't seem relevant, but it do- it is. So it's like his reaction is is poor, but then Hurt's reaction of how he essentially doctors the story is also poor because he yeah. makes this story that's about this young woman revealing a very um 
deep kind of this 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 like deep traumatic event in her life and we make it about William Hurt crying to her yep. reaction. We make it about the man and this S and this story is what he does and it is pro- that is problematic. But it's problematic in the st- in the frame of the story if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not problematic in how we're looking at it now. It's problematic in the story already cuz they talk about it. Yeah. Cuz yeah. that's what Brooke says. It's like how did how did he get a shot of him crying if he only had one camera? Mhm. All right. It's award season. Awards. <laughs> Beatrice straight award actor actress with limited scenes that kills it See, this is tough because my first like kind of uh intuition is to go with jack nicholson um because he's not in there a lot but the other question is does joan cusack fit into this category i think this is i think this is joan cusack's category okay i yeah so like does she have too many scenes uh but i don't think she does so i would go with joan cusack for me the joan cusack in every aspect but but um socially Social. you're my role model award <laughs> <laughs> you want to give it to you want to see it you give it to john cusack who is credited Appar- for I, read his that. I just read appearance. that yeah i i read that he plays angry messenger supposedly you you don't say people say you can't see him at all but supposedly during the firing scene you hear him yell something off screen and so he was credited <laughs> because he he got on the audio well, see, it's eighty-seven. So he has he already done like say any, or has he already done a the sure thing? Okay, he hadn't I mean, say he anything. It's two years some, later. Um, he said, he, yeah, he's done better off dead. Uh, one crazy pretty, summer, pretty in pink. Which one is he? The nerd. He's in, in sixteen candles. 16 That's candles. 80, yeah. eighty-four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sure thing was his was his big kind of star breakout. Jane, I got to tell you something. Yeah, except for socially. You're my role model. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, Annie Potts X Factor Award. Okay. Supporting actor or actress that is the most memorable. I mean, does Albert Brooks count here? I think so. Okay. So I'd go Albert Brooks. He was nominated for supporting actor. Supporting. Oscars, that's yeah, that's, so. that's kind of the key. It's if you're nominated for supporting. I mean, it's debatable. It's it is very much a three hand three-hander but i do think brooks is the one that gets the the lesser yeah in terms of time yeah because you know their their relationship is already established we're watching her relationship with tom evolve whereas we're just kind of dropped in and we fully recognize their relationship so he doesn't need quite as much screen time as as hurt does i love it or or jane calls aaron baby multiple times in the movie did you notice that Mm mm-hmm she calls him baby or like she goes let's see the other shirts baby and i'm like whoa that's a that's a odd thing to say to him he's got that great line it's a little sappy but the line about how i wish you were two different people Mm -hmm. so i could call up the one who is my friend and tell her about the one that i like so much it's a little sappy but that's a good line that's a good that's a good line brooks has some good line I, i love the line when he says after he says i love you for the first time he goes I didn't realize how much that would tired me out saying that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like just him saying he he just like sits down on the couch and just like, oh man, I'm so tired after saying I love you. <laughs> <laughs> it's been built up within me so long that like I've just used all my energy to say it. But you no, know, our Brooks Andy Potts X Factor Award, I would say. You know, I've been doing some of the most important thing in my life today. I wonder if this is the right time to tell you about it. Whatever you think. I figured out why it is I'm so hung up on getting a chance at weekend anchor. It's because if I do it well, then they'll pay me more, 
and my life will be great, and they'll treat me better. That's why. Sounds like you may be onto something. Which means I'm at their mercy. And who wants that? Now, I don't want to tell you where this thought has led me. Why not? In the middle of all of this, I started to think about the one thing that makes me feel really good and makes immediate sense, and it's you. I'm going to stop right now. Except I would give anything if you were two people. So I could call up the one who's my friend and tell her about the one that I like so much. All right, I'm... I'm, I'm not going to say anything. Primarily because I'm about to pass out. <laughs> All right, which brings us to the Gene Hackman MVP award. Who carries this movie? For me, I'm going Holly Hunter. All right. I could I could see an argument for James L. Brooks here. I could see an argument for Susan Zarinsky here, but I'm going. I I think you. I think you too. I think you. I thought that too. I think you could argue Susan Zarinsky here, but I. I think Hunter. I just think she. I just. I don't know. I don't know of many people who have the same qualities that Holly Hunter has in this movie. Like, I don't even know looking back if winger could have captured the like truly manic energy that. that Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. And, and Deborah winger is like, I mean, I feel like you do a whole podcast on parts that Deborah winger didn't get. Yeah. Cause we've covered her so much usually in, in, in the eighties or nineties, like, Oh, Deborah winger was up for this, but didn't either turn Mm -hmm. it down or didn't get it. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, I just, there's something about like just the scene that sums her up. It's like, is her again, her stature where she's like in that long skirt and she's just like floating through that airport chasing after her. I don't know Mm why it just sums up that character where she's just constantly on the move. She Mm -hmm. is constantly just like, I just said manic is that she's like, she can't like keep, she can't keep herself still. Mm-hmm. The only time she does is when she's crying is what it feels like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's her designated still time for the day. Yeah, still time. I'm going to cry. I'm going I'm to unplug the phone and then just cry on my bed. I get it. I understand. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, Holly Hunt, I just, I just think, I think she's a, I, I think I, I saw one critic use the word revelation for her mm-hmm. in this role. And I think, I mean, it's a tough race that year. Her and Cher, Cher for Moonstruck. Holly Hunter and broadcast news. Anyway, congrats. Congrats, Holly Hunter. You nailed it. I mean, just imagine how exciting 1987 would be to just see raising Arizona Which she, she is a blast in, but it's, it's very cartoonish and, and, and she kind of gets lost in it for sure. Yes. But she absolutely like matches Nick cage for chaotic energy in that movie, which is a feat in itself. Um, but yeah. to see that and be like, wow, I, I think she's definitely got something. And then to like six months later, have it followed up by this and you come out of the theater, you're like, yeah, she absolutely does. And then she wins an Oscar. I mean, she, she, people don't forget how big Holly Hunter was. It feels like cause she, cause she actually side note on Holly Hunter got nom- one best actress in 93 for the piano mm-hmm. nominated also for best supporting actress the same year for the firm. Mm-hmm. which feels honestly odd because I don't see anyone getting a nomination for the firm, but I think she probably does deserve it. And I love the firm. 
in college. So, you're not well-educated, you have almost no experience, and you can't write. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I'm making a fortune. It's hard for me to advise you since you personify something that I truly think is dangerous. Uh-huh. I agree with you. You're not qualified, so get qualified. You can insist on being better prepared. You don't have to just leave it with, uh, I don't write, I'm not schooled, I don't understand the news I'm reading, but at least I'm upset about it, folks. Just what do you want from me anyway? Permission to be a fake? Stop whining. Do something about it. So this was remade today. You ready? You prepped for this? I got a couple people. Okay, let's hear it. Who do you want first? Uh, let's start with Aaron. Okay, I have one person for Aaron. Okay. Jesse Eisenberg. Nice. Okay, I like that a lot. <laughs> okay. I was like, who can like capture this sarcastic character who is again borders on asshole and it and can become an asshole but also can become like the kind of like the nerd i don't say nerdy but kind of the 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 intellectual of Mm -hmm. the group and i think eisenberg is that i did weirdly because i was like who's who's a who's a person who's like a uh a comedian who also has directed something or whatever uh i think it's a little too young but i did I did think about Bo Burnham for some strange reason. I could, I could see that. Yeah, that was kind of my other pick. He's, he's busy playing Larry Bird right now. We can't. We can't he is. Him, yeah, he's getting, getting in shape for Larry Bird. Um, okay, who's next? Who you want? All right, next? what about Tom? Okay, I okay. I have three people down. One is he couldn't play this now, but if it was like ten years ago, definitely, and that's John Hamm. I feel yeah. like John oh, Hamm yeah. could have played uh william hurts played tom in this movie yeah from 10 years ago uh my other one as we say him a lot some of these people are repeats but wyatt russell i had down yeah Yeah. as tom uh and then my other one chris hemsworth okay all right i like those i like those i'll see you on i'll go a little bit cheaper as far as your actor fees as far as your actor (laughs) fees go oh yeah because this next one's gonna be big um uh billy magnuson okay He's got that quality where you look at him and you just want to punch him in the face. You're like, you're just too good looking, dude. Get out of here. And but then he but then he's also very charismatic. And you're like, damn it. I like you. Yeah. Would Zach Efron be a weird pick for that? I don't know. I don't know if I buy him. I don't, I don't know, know if, if I buy him the news anchor. I don't know if I buy him as a news anchor. They do yeah. have to have the gravitas as a, as a news yeah. anchor. I don't know if if he's got it. Sorry. Maybe, a you know, maybe a reality travel TV series host, but yeah reality news um okay so for the big one for jane mm-hmm. i have four names down some of the, one of them i'm not sure about i'll i'll go from i'll go from like lesser stars to well, well kind of lesser stars to bigger stars um dakota johnson okay i wrote down uh two more repeats on the show uh zoe deutsch yeah I think Zoe Deutsch could Uh-oh. be fantastic. Uh-oh. Do we need to go back and, and bring Glenn Powell in? I th- I was like, I don't want to repeat Glenn Powell too much. <laughs> I feel like when I you got like chemistry, is, you got chemistry. You yeah, got it, I feel you like know? this is beca- this is becoming like Glenn Powell podcast for some reason. We're like, hey, Glenn Powell, 
Come on. Um, but yeah, Zoe Deutsch. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I also wrote down. That's another another repeat offender. I know, I know. But for a reason. I know it is. That, that's the thing. I, I'm finding out who I like the most in terms of casting when doing this. Uh, and then my last one's Brie Larson. Ooh, I, I really like that one. I think that's... Yeah. Yeah. So out, out of these people, who's 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 your final three? Because I've given you essentially uh, nine names total. I think it's definitely I think it's definitely Brie Larson. Brie Larson for for Jane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ten ten years ago, John Hamm would probably ten years be ago, John Hamm. also ten years ago, Will Smith. It's you you I like Will Smith more than you do. I feel, and you were the one keep casting him in movies here. I'm just I trying just to revitalize you know his career here. I'm just trying to make it happen. You, what was the other one you brought him up for? I brought him up as it, like a comedic oh, was, side it, character. It, it was it was it was for Body Heat. You brought him up for Body Heat for oh, Ted yeah. Danson's character. Oh, I yeah. still think he'd be fantastic in that. <laughs> yeah, I could see a Will Smith. I, I love could see a Will I Smith. love that cast we we did for Body yeah. Heat. Yeah, go back and listen to that episode. Okay, so you're saying younger John Hamm, Brie Larson, and Jesse Eisenberg. I think you're. I think you nailed Jesse Eisenberg. It's funny because I almost when we were talking about like how prescient this movie was earlier, I almost brought up The Social Network. It's like another movie that was like they didn't realize they knew what they were talking about was bad, but they didn't realize that it was going to straight up ruin the world. Yeah. When they made that movie. Yeah. I had a weird one. I had a weird one, though, for Jack Nicholson's character. Okay. And he played his son in a James L. Brooks movie, and that's Paul Rudd. I put down. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. I think I could see Paul Rudd being a news anchor. I could see that. Yeah. He's got that kind of like where he's handsome, but he's not unapproachably handsome. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But can also kind of be like serious a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who's also got that kind of I'm just thinking of the scene like he can do like very friendly and then just like immediately drop it. I'm just thinking of who would be really good in that scene where the, where Paul's like, oh, you could give back your bonus. And um, Don Cheadle would would be that'd be a fun one. I could see Don Cheadle being that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd buy that. All right. So does this movie fit in with any other genres? Romantic comedy. You've said screwball comedy before. It's a journalism movie. Sure. Uh, but it, I mean, I feel like it's, it is a romantic, romantic dramedy journalism movie is, yeah. <laughs> is, is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Ebert makes a great point and I don't know. I truly don't know because Brooks has said that when he set out to make Brooks has, has kind of contradicted himself. He's said before that he like set out to make a movie about the female experience in the newsroom. Yeah. And he also said that he set out to make a, a love triangle movie. And so it's not, I'm not sure when in the evolution it became clear to him that these people were all three more in love with journalism than they were with each other. But that, that, that is ultimately the takeaway from this film. So it is a love triangle movie, but kind of the lesson in the end is that it is a journalism movie before a love triangle movie. Yeah. They, they found journalism along the way is what it was. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. So that brings us to where does this fit in with the journalism genre? I mean, as we said, it's a great kind of um, depiction of the transition within television news, within broadcast journalism and the importance of that and how it's dominated. I mean, it's dominates our life now in terms of how people I mean not people get the news elsewhere but like in terms of uh, the questions of ethics within broadcast journalism i think are very apparent in the modern society and that's why mm-hmm. i say it's so odd watching this and thinking the big ethical question is cutting away 
to William Hurt's character. That's that's the issue that breaks the that, that's the the straw that breaks the camel's back for Jane is that I can't be with someone who staged a shot and you're thinking you would hate the people nowadays. Um because it just it yeah even like she's because the whole part it's established because a side pl- a side plot they do when they go like Central America mm-hmm. and she's like no when like someone's trying to stage them putting the shoes yeah, the boots on shoe shoes on like shoe- you would normally yeah don't pretend we're not here don't let us influence you and that's like so integral to her character that she has to we're observe we're, we're observing observing the real events and commenting on them we're not creating them. Mm-hmm. And that small nugget has become a continuing conversation uh, in our modern society. So I feel like, I mean, it, it's it's funny because network is the big one, as as James L. Brooks says. But what's funny, that was started off, started off as a satire. And weirdly, it just becomes network just becomes too real nowadays. And the comedy kind of has disappeared because everything they're kind of predicting as as kind of funny has become true and this one is a little bit similar but luckily it has the the comedic talents of all three of the cast to kind of lift it up to become a comedy in this journalism world but it really does capture the ethics question it captures the deadlines as we've talked about um it talks about also how it dominates a per- the personal life of a, of a character or characters we've said this before in previous um but yeah i think it, ca- it has all those kind of tropes yeah within you, this you film could, you if if you could ask james l Brooks something you would say do you feel do you feel good to know that you predicted does it feel good to know that you predicted that broadcast news would lead to the downfall of american society and he would go no it's awful yeah. like what it like when i was thinking like though we're trying to bring like the the handsome people or the beautiful people i'm just like oh this is like tommy lauren this is just tommy lauren mm-hmm. right here in the 80s of like what they're trying to do of like hey let's cast out the old guard and bring in these young it's what what bombshell talked about bringing these young yeah, bombshell like attract attractive people uh to give you the news yeah quote unquote news you know there's a lot there's so many we've said it there's so many great lines in the film but yeah. i think the one that has become most relevant is the line about you know the devil's He's going to wear a smile and he's just going to lower our standards a little bit at a time. That hit hard, man. I'm not going to lie. That hit hard. And and, and even, I mean, it's just like, uh, oh yeah, I'm not going to go into it, but yeah, it's just, uh, it, it really hits hard and it really does. And not, and the thing is, it's not even dealing with like presidential stuff. I just, it just, it, it really just showed you the way news was going mm-hmm. and how, that's it's delivered it's someone that you 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 believe you can trust but they're telling you some some piece of information that fits their agenda yeah. or it's a piece of just uh entertain like it's it's sensationalized is what it is mm-hmm. it's not news anymore well there you go is that it on broadcast news that's it i think that that closes the book on broadcast news are you happy with with how it's gone are you happy with broadcast like <laughs> uh, anytime anytime i can watch broadcast news is a good time for me because you just watched it just back in like february um, i watched it on valentine's day that was my my pick yeah, yeah. that was your uh, valentine's day pick said she wanted to see something that was a rom-com that she had never seen before and um what'd she think about it oh she loved it i i, I like midway through we like paused it for a minute and i was like who do you think she should end up with and she was like <laughs> neither of them and i was like uh, 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 we'll see oh uh, we'll see we'll see <laughs> 
Well, good. Well, you guys go check out Broadcast News if you haven't already, because if you haven't, we just spoiled a good bit for you. <laughs> but it's still going to you're still going to enjoy the ride, even if you know the, the destination. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, but yeah, that's all we have for you in this episode. Make sure you subscribe to Destination Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. And if you haven't already, make sure you write us a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to on. I think Stitcher, Pod, Apple Podcasts. You can't wait to do it on Spotify for some reason. Yeah, guys, anything, you know, give us a little bit of feedback. It boosts our visibility on whatever platform you listen to us on if there's more reviews. And and we read them. So, you know, we'll take yeah, it we into do. account. And if you're like my mom and you want to send me a note on what movies we didn't mention, feel free. I mean, never been kissed. Mom, I love you. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, if you haven't already, make sure you like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, so, yeah, Thomas, as always, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Brandon. Signing off for... Cine Nation News. This is Thomas Horton. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you all for listening. We hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye. Bye.